Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me, as always, DJ Mark. Sup? Also with me, Lavender Gooms. Hello. Finally, also joining us, Kid Presentable. You know, it was just like a week or two ago that I said, hey, listeners, should we become a wrestling podcast? Well, you know what? I resigned that offer because pro wrestling is dead to me, Bobby. It's dead to me. That, my friends, is uh, Stefan giving you a bit of a teaser for what's going to happen in the oddly enough segment called Stuff We Like. Because there's going to be a significant portion where Stefan and I talk about something we don't like. You um, know what I like, Bobby? I like not spending $50 at driving to Sacramento. I, yo, like, I like not doing that. Yeah, you know, folks, we almost had it. Those of you who watch any wrestling have heard the calamity that was the, the WWE's event in Sacramento. And Stefan and I almost went. And that would have been a really unpleasant drive home after that <laughs> wait you guys went was Helen the cell in uh sacramento we didn't go we were gonna go god bless stefan's uh poor time management skills because we would have uh we would have been not happy really not happy <laughs> I, I just want to set the standard now we can't do in stuff we like stuff we didn't do because every week we would be like i'm glad i didn't do anything this weekend so we have to actually say stuff we did no this okay. is specific mark there was a uh, miniature riot in sacramento that we yes. did not have you to know what we're gonna bring back the classic uh, whatever we called our version of waving our finger at something. Stefan, did you ever come up with a name for that? I'm pretty sure we just stole Colbert's wag of the finger. Yeah, and, we, we should have called it America Disappoints Us. Could have been yeah. a weekly segment. And also, I think you can still use stuff you don't like in the stuff we like segment. You just have to finagle it in a certain way that you can uh, shoehorn it into stuff we like. Like if Steph were to say, well, you know what I like this week? I like that I fucked up my time management, so no. we didn't have to go to Hell in a Cell. I mean, I don't know why I became that. I don't know why Bob was so shape. <laughs> I spent a wonderful day with my family, who I hadn't seen since they all went to Europe on my birthday two weeks ago. I just like that. You're like, yeah, I'll let you know. And then we're like, I'm like, we should probably leave around like three. And it's like 2.30. Stuff. I was like, yeah, so, yeah so, so, so I'm not going to make it. And I'm like, yeah, man, no shit. <laughs> um... All right, we'll get into that a little bit later. For now, though, let's not bury the lead here. We had a fucking star-making performance from the last stylebender himself, Israel Izzy Adesanya. Just, you know, a fight we were all excited for. I um, When I was talking to my little brother about it, who because he likes Adesanya, I said, I like this because I didn't have to be lied to <laughs> to get excited for this one. It's just... These two are the best. Let's see what. Let's see who's better. And uh, Marcus Israel Adesanya was better. Yeah, um, it, it was an interesting fight, uh, and there's definitely some stuff to to break down. Because honestly, when I look at this fight, and I think the narrative that you're talking about, Bobby, is mostly what I've been seeing online, and I kind of agree with it. But it's after watching Izzy fight in a kickboxing tournament where he knocked out eight dudes in 
flashy as fuck method. Like everyone's saying, like, oh, this was a star performance. I was like, this was a great performance, but like I've seen this dude tool up people in a manner which is unrealistic. So like I think he did, and we're gonna break it down. I think he did some really smart things, but like one of the things that I haven't fully got on Izzy's. I I haven't seen those performances in the octagon. I think when and, and in some of the fights I might have missed. I don't remember his Brunson fight, which he might have just tooled him up really bad. He did. That one was yeah. impressively embarrassing for and, Brunson. And maybe not seeing that one because everyone's talking about you know he's just like Anderson. I was like, well, when Anderson came in, he literally had a flawless victory over Chris Lieben that showed a full set of his skills, like my hands, my knees, my kicks, everything's on point. And I've seen Izzy do that in kickboxing. I just haven't seen it in the UFC. What we got in this fight was a really smart adjustment on Izzy's part. And we've kind of seen a pattern in his fights where he does a very Muay Thai thing where he kind of takes the first round off and he uses that time to kind of get reads on his opponent and try to figure out, you know, how he's going to solve this puzzle. And uh, the Whitaker puzzle wasn't too difficult, I think, to kind of figure out. Uh, One thing that I was really critical of when we were analyzing this fight last time was that Izzy in the first round when he's kind of figuring out the fight, he allows people to get right in the pocket. And Gastelum took full advantage of that, walked right into striking range and blasted him with a right straight and really changed the complexion of that fight and made it a much more difficult fight for Izzy. Um, With Whitaker, one of my big takeaways going into this fight and what he's done and impressed me so much in his career is that he's really gotten good with distance and timing with his punches. And my whole thought process of going with Whitaker in this fight was that, well, if he's going to be able to get in the pocket without having to get through jabs and kicks to get in there, he has the potential to just blast Izzy out right in the beginning. And I think some of the things that contributed to Robert's, I would say, weaker performance, I think he was very emotionally charged in this fight. And I think a lot of the things that he was doing, he was overexerting himself and wasn't allowing him to get himself in positions where he's going to be able to really utilize his punching and striking as he has done in the past. And part of that, I think, is for Izzy, too. I think Izzy presented problems in the defensive department in that first round that Robert wasn't used to, because I think what makes Robert so successful with his big looping punches that seem like they're out of range, but just land right on the tip of the chin, is that a lot of the fighters that he fought weren't high-level strikers like Izzy is. And when he puts pressure on those guys, they back straight up and he's able to land those looping punches where Izzy kind of sat in the pocket and Whitaker overexerting himself with the step in got way too close. And I don't think he was really looking at where he was punching. I muted myself. Sorry. Yeah, Marcus, um, I saw the same thing. I actually watched this fight a second time. Anytime Robert Whitaker was blitzing. Izzy at the very end of the blitzes was switching to Southpaw too. And it was kind of throwing, I think it was throwing off Whitaker's target a little bit more too. Cause even when he was hitting him, he wasn't getting a lot of it. No, like he and, was, I, and some of that has to do with Izzy's head movement and body movement. He's sitting in the pocket. And I, and a lot of it has to do with Whitaker not changing the plan of offense. A lot of it was taking a too big of an instep in, getting too close to Izzy throwing these big because basically he steps in big and he's ducking and then he's coming up i don't think looking at his target but just kind of throwing big overhand lefts and rights and that was kind of the combination he kept going to was big step in big overhand left big overhand right and the second round he started trying to throw in a left high kick after that and i think izzy caught on pretty quickly and some of the punches that that would kind of land he was able to negate a lot of the power by using head movement and eventually what happened in the first round the last minute Izzy got a lot more comfortable in the pocket and he started throwing back and countering in the pocket. And that's where we finally saw in the very last second of the round, 
Izzy sat in the pocket, threw a big punch, hurt Whitaker really bad. And I think at that moment, that's where the light switch went off and like, this is how I'm going to win this fight. Uh, Mike, um, something that um, Mark made reference to it being a Muay Thai thing. It's also been an Anderson Silva thing. Um, watching it back a second time, I was just sitting there going, he's just trying to time him. He spent the first entire first round trying to time him. And um, once he got that timing, it just seemed like Whitaker was just getting pieced up left and right. Uh, what would you think of the performance? Mm-hmm. No, I I agree. And that's exactly what, what I thought throughout the whole fight. Um, you know, that first round, as you guys have alluded to already, uh, Whitaker was just... Uh, you know, blitzing in and, uh, you know, Adesanya was taking a very, uh, you know, a very measured approach throughout the, the whole round up until the, the end of that first round where, where, where he caught him with the, what was the, the right straight to, to, you know, to, to knock him down. And it was very reminiscent to Anderson who, uh, Anderson, his, uh, his MO throughout his UFC career was that he normally didn't have much action in the first round. And, he normally would start pouring it on in the second and third round. But, you know, besides the performance that, you know, Izzy had in the ring, you know, I commend everything that he did before the fight and, and after the fight. I mean, I was a little scared when, you know, he came out and he started dancing um, on his way to the, to the octagon. I thought, oh, no, this is setting it up for something really bad and really embarrassing to happen to him. You're and, worried about a Prince Nassim situation? Was that the dude's name? Huh? Yeah. Well, Prince Nassim, <laughs> like, he's also, yeah, he also like killed people too. Like he that dude didn't just dance and get tooled up. Like he killed I think it was mostly you guys who was the guy the, the two weeks before? Big backflip dude. That's what I was thinking. Like, oh boy. Well the one who was dancing in the cage too? I mean he was dancing outside <laughs> the cage. He was dancing while they were fighting. He's doing backflips in the yeah, fight. as I pointed out, he did like a double handspring backflip. <laughs> he was doing it was more than just the dancing to the it cage that did that guy. Um Steph, um, Mark uh, was talking about how, you know, I mentioned Izzy start making performance. And uh, Mark made reference to it where, like, this guy was already this good of a striker. But, um, Steph, what I thought, what I saw was that this guy, him and Whitaker went out there and were having the big, the biggest fight in Oceana, Oceana combat sports history. And in front of a sold out, crowd which was the biggest crowd in ufc history man really um raised uh, rose to the occasion and made a statement out there for everybody watching uh what'd you think of izzy do what you think of there uh i'll you know i'll I'll get to you know since i I picked very well on this day i get to come off as a little bit of a arrogant jerk on this episode um but you know i'm not trying to be mean to you bobby but you know kind of said everyone who's saying sorry i got a really angry puppy right now if you can't tell um, give me, uh, give me one second, actually. I don't want to talk through this. Fair enough. Um, Steph has to euthanize a puppy. Right yeah. My Mike, um, you picked Izzy too. I already made you talk. Why don't you talk some more about Izzy? <laughs> no, I did. And, uh, thank God I picked the uh, Izzy or I would have had a, an O, uh, an O in three week, uh, like someone else on this podcast as well. Well, did I go, but- did I go in three? Yeah, you did, man. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, uh, not... that's I, okay. I am now t- I'm now tied for first with uh with, with Stefan and well, you one are of now us... last, sir. That's okay. What are you gonna do? Mark out. Which one did Mark get? <laughs> I I got Hooker. Um, 
Uh, to to kind of go back to the performance, you know, I uh, I did enjoy that he had an entrance, right? And they had a dance number. I think the UFC maybe should have let Robert know <laughs> and say, like, hey, this dude's going to come out with a dance crew and dance in. Do you want to maybe spruce this up a little he bit? Was, you know Robert Whitaker wasn't going to do anything. Come on, man. There was, there was nothing he was going to do. It was yeah. a contrast where it was like, oh, he came out to, like, a dance crew, and he has, like, this whole number. And then Robert just comes out to some weird song. And it was like, all right. <laughs> the, the wind was already taking out the sails a little bit. Like, this guy's a showman. This guy is not. It would have been great to see Robert Whitaker just come out and do, like, a nice little two-step and a jig. After that performance that Whitaker that uh that Adesanya did, um, Stefan, uh, now you got yeah, the situation under control. Sorry about that. Um, if I can get my like train of thought back, um, what I was gonna say is, um, I get why people are saying it, but for everyone saying star making performance, that's a late hot take. That is a very late take. Um, yeah, he he's been really good for a hot minute now. Um, it's just what you want to give credit for. One of the things I said about him when I picked him uh, going into this was he feels like a star. Everything about him, the way he conducts himself, when he won the interim title and the way he had his whole family dressed to the nines in traditional, like, Nigerian, like, wear, like, you know, they're, like, they look like an this, you know, great family. Like, he's a man who knew how to win, who knew how to celebrate, who knew how to talk. He commented on American politics. This guy has been a star. There is not a – we didn't learn a single new thing about him on this night. It's just whether people wanted to acknowledge it. Um yeah, you know, it was really and, Steph. Honestly, it was him finally getting attention from the national media, is what impressed me. And that's that's what I want to say next is because you know, God bless. Every, we always really cheers fighters who understand the platform they're on. You know, and you talked about it being the biggest fight in Oceania, and yeah, they had the guys representing the two major countries of Oceania in New Zealand and Australia. They had local products. You didn't have. You weren't flying over an Anderson Silva. You weren't flying over a Chris Weidman to sell it. It was their boys. Um, and you know, was it 65,000 or something? Marvel stadium. I like that. My man called out Marvel studios, Marvel comics, put me in some shit. He knows where the hot ticket is. I love a guy that doesn't waste his platform and Israel Adesanya never wastes his platform. Um, looks like Paulo Costa's next. Um, everybody's kind of talking about him and John Jones. Cause we're at about six months into John Jones and Israel Adesanya shit talking each other. Um, this has just been a real whirlwind with this kid, though, in terms of his MMA career. We are 20 months in to his UFC run. Um, he himself said he'll get a couple wins at middleweight before he tries to move up. Uh, so it gives John Jones plenty of times to, to beat up a bunch of light heavyweights. Nobody wants to see him fight. We didn't um, learn they're the same height, which I didn't realize. That was new information. That was I new did information. I realize that Izzy was 6'4 as well. His reach is significantly shorter, but that's because John Jones has like freaky MMA record reach. But well, Izzy, 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 Izzy has good reach too, is the interesting thing, because Izzy's got like 80 inch reach, which is like that's 6'8 worth of reach. But John Jones got 7 foot reach. <laughs> it's uh, it's nuts. Um, Yeah, Um, anybody think Paulo Costa has anything for him? Because I'm sitting here just looking, remembering when Costa fought. Uriah Hall and Uriah Hall was having success using, you know, being on the outside. I, I mean, he's got a puncher's chance, but I, there's no way I'll say he hits harder than Robert Whitaker, and he's definitely slower. He's gonna have to wait in Marcus through uh, through a bunch of shots to get inside if he's gonna have a chance, right? I, I mean, I think I think stri- you thinking Robert, I mean, uh, that Paul Costa is gonna have like a striking chance. I think is foolish. I think. He's a big, strong guy. If he can somehow figure out how to take this guy to the mat in that first round and try to tire him, I had something we haven't seen 
Izzy have to really fight against is what happens when a really good grappler can get him on the mat? How does he do after a round of just having to do back grappling? You know, does his cardio hang there? Those are just questions we haven't seen. It's hard to think, you know, he fought Gaslam. Gaslam couldn't get him down. There's yeah. not a lot of pure grapplers in the top 10 that I'm thinking like, oh, they're going to be able to really utilize that game. But I think that's kind of what you have. I, if I'm building a fighter to beat Izzy, it's either I'm going to try to find a striker that hits really hard and is going to take advantage of that that feeling out process in the first round like Gastelum did and really make ends there. Right, you got to find a grappler who's going to be able to really put him on the mat. And there's just at, at 85, there's no one like Habib or Ben Askren that not only are just good at wrestling, but can chase that takedown down and drag. Honestly, we, we need Yoel to be Yoel and, and actually Yoel, yeah, ankle pick Yoel this dude could. and stuff. And, but, but yeah, Yoel hasn't really shown a ton of interest in grappling a lot of his opponents. He usually just waits for those moments to explode. So yeah, I, th I think ultimately when I'm looking at Izzy and his future prospects, I think what I'd like to see is him defend the belt at 85 a couple times. I think obviously Costa is the next in line. I think of Jared, um, oh, what's his last name, Bob? I'm always Cannonier. Cannonier. Okay, I think he wants to fight Whitaker. Maybe the winner of that fight. I'd like to see him defend the belt. Darren fight. Till. Darren Till's in the picture. Gaslam's in the picture. I think a Gaslam. I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine. To throw Till out. He's like coming off of like multiple. Well, I'm losses. saying if, if he beats Calvin Gaslam as on the co-main event of Diaz versus Masvidal, he, I'm not saying he's going to get a title shot, but he's right there. I like, think it'd be interesting, right? It's another big striker, two strikers. It, it'd be a, a compelling. Match. I mean, let's be honest. Does anybody else? Does anybody here think we're not going to see Robert Whitaker fight him again at some point? I think potentially if he, if Izzy has two fights that don't include Robert and he moves up to light heavyweight and who knows what happens there, he could get phased out, right? I don't think Whitaker is going to be moving up to 205. Izzy seems like that's kind of in the sights. So if Whitaker is not in the picture in the next couple of years, he could lose his chance for a rematch. But I think ultimately it probably will happen because it's hard to see Izzy moving up to 205 and beating Jones and kind of taking that mantle. But who knows? You know, that, that that's down the line. But I, I think that is the only avenue where I see Whitaker not getting that title shot if he's not successful. I think for Whitaker to get a title shot, he needs to be successful in his next fight or two fights. And he's right in that picture because he's number one right now, right? And I think if he wins a fight or two, is killing off contenders, you kind of have to make that fight. But, I mean, th this fight that we saw didn't really warrant a rematch. I mean, he knocked him out pretty fucking silly. And Robert had his chances in the first round to capitalize. And he wasn't able to. So... I'm not jonesing for this. I think the Gaslam fight has a little bit more heat because that was a fucking war. He really took Izzy to those late rounds, and he had to dig deep to get that win, which he did, heart of a champion. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm really interested to see where Izzy goes. And if he does go to 205 with John Jones, I think that is extremely compelling because we talked about 205. There's no one there that I think is giving Jones a run for his money. We, but we, need, Santos to come back, we need Santos to come back from injury anyway. We have time. <laughs> I mean, maybe, but I'm not even... I don't think Jones really tried very hard in that fight. And maybe he doesn't try hard in the next fight and loses. But I just I feel like if he's motivated, there's not a lot of people that beat John Jones. I think John Jones loses when he's unmotivated and he thinks he can just kind of sail through, kind of like we did with Santos. The fight was close. It's soon for him. I want to see John Jones and Johnny Walker. That's a light heavyweight fight cool I'm too. interested in. That's, I think everybody's everybody's booked right in that weight class. Like somebody's got to get a win and get a title shot, right? That's what the next step is. Like all the contenders are booked against I think somebody. So I think so. Does Walker have a fight? I, th I thought uh, is, he, he's he fighting from his shoulder injury. I think he's still him. rehabbing. Yeah. Isn't he? I thought he's fighting boring ass Corey Anderson. I thought he had a fight. I thought I, but I'm not sure. Uh, I can't remember. I'm gonna try to look. Someone look this up while we're talking. Um. Yep. So, uh, 
Dan Hooker um, was got a that was a big win, man. Um, take out the number six guy in the division convincingly. A uh, a very one sided decision. I mean, you guys all know how much I love Ally Quinta. That was a big, big win for Hooker. Um, he's now six and one in his last seven. Mike. Johnny Walker is expected to face Corey Anderson there we uh, go. November 2nd. All right. That's the Madison Square Garden one? Yeah. That might be the only boring part of the card if Corey Anderson wins. Um, six and one for Hooker. Only lost Barbosa in, in there. Um, this was a big, big win for him. Ally Quinta taking this fight. He got called out. Flew all the way to Australia to get an ass kicking. Um, Mike? James Hooker, uh, uh, James Hooker, Dan Hooker wants to fight Dustin Poirier. Any objections? Dustin said no. I've got no. Dustin, Dustin, but, Dustin thinks he's going to fight. Dustin thinks he's going to fight McGregor, though. Yeah, right? as, uh, as Stefan uh, said, uh, yeah, he doesn't want to fight Hooker because Poirier is trying to get that money. He he fought Connor before you got paid too much. I get it. Um, what was I, it, what was it he said on Twitter? Um, keep punching, son. Is that what Poirier said? I think that's what he said to uh to, to to Hooker, yeah. Basically like, you know, wait your turn. I mean, he could fight Cerrone. Cerrone's ranked five, but Cerrone just got knocked out, so I'm not sure we need to see that anyway. Um Mark is just a big win for the guy, huh? That's really Yeah, I mean I I don't want to take a ton away, but I think me and Steph were on the same page on this fight and a lot of it didn't have to, I mean, at least on mine, I don't want to speak for Steph, a lot of it didn't have to do with what Dan Hooker was coming. Was I never really got fully on the Al Alquinta uh, train, and Dan Hooker is a good fighter, and this was an interesting fight, you know, and and as much as I was uh, shitting on Matt Sarah saying how tough Al was after uh, Habib beat Dustin Poirier, I mean, they can't give, finish him, Mark. They can't I'll, finish I'll, him. I'll give him that. Like, the dude doesn't go out easy, but you know, I, I just I thought that was silly. But yeah, it was, it was a great fight for Dan. You know, he was fighting in his hometown, and you know, Al has got the resume. He's got the record behind him. This this was a big win. This really puts him in the picture to call out guys like Dustin. But I also get Dustin's point of view. He's been in the title picture. He's fought for the title. He's kind of at a higher level than Dan Hooker is at the moment, right? This is a former title contender. Dan hasn't really gotten to that place yet, but there's, I think there's a lot of interesting fights for Dan, and I'm interested to see where he goes, and him and Dustin down the line could be really compelling. Big win for the man in front of his home crowd, though. Good, a good night for him. Um, for the record, Mark did not speak for me. I picked Dan Hooker for different reasons. <laughs> Uh, do you want to give the reasons, or do people can listen to last week's show if they're that? I interested? mean, I just thought it was I, I he it's, it was that Cerrone win over Al, and I, I thought Hooker pre- provided a lot of the same problems, and it showed that those low leg kicks, that's what ended the fight for Al. He, he couldn't, couldn't get inside. He, he couldn't, couldn't get inside either. Yeah, he it sh- it shot it killed his takedown attempts. It took away the sting on his punches because he had to change stances. So he had to kind of punch off so that everything he really neutralized him is all. And that's what I thought he brought that Cerrone did was the kicking game. And it doesn't seem like, you know, um, Al, he's a tough dude, but he's pretty much a wrestle boxer. Um, he doesn't really check the kicks. Yeah, it's it, it, it played out how I thought it would. Uh, Ty Tuivasa. Uh, Steph got this one right. Man, we just can't take him seriously, huh, Steph? I didn't say he's uh, I, I, that's what I mean, I was I was really harsh on him. You know, last week, and I don't mean it in like a. It sounds disparaging. There's no way around it. I don't think he's much of a prospect. He's incredibly once. He's he's a one trick. 
He's got punching power. He has no grappling game. He has a bad gas tank. Um, and we saw all three assets. He, he punched, um, what's his name, Spivak or something like that, Polar Bear? Wow. We'll call him Polar Bear. Uh, you know, he punched him early. You saw him, like, hit, but he got taken down with not the greatest of takedowns. You know, there was a couple, there was a head arm toss in there, some trips. Like, he kind of telegraphed his takedown attempts, but that's how little takedown defense this guy had. And once he went on the ground, that sapped all the life out of him. Um, I, you know, I was nervous picking this fight as any rightly should. You know, I, I, I talked myself into I was going to take one of the biggest underdogs on the card, but I just don't think very much of Tai Tuivasa. Mike, uh, 26 years old. Uh, he's got punching power. I mean, there's time for this guy to turn it around. What do you think? Yeah, I'm starting to wonder if we were all just taken in by the fact that, you know, he does the shooey. But, um... I mean, he yeah. showed up. He showed up and won three straight fights. It wasn't yeah. entirely. It, it, it wasn't just as disgusting uh, victory habit. No, but there's still a lot of time. 26 years old. It's that's basically 18 in the heavyweight division. As we've made jokes about that, you know, in the past at nauseum. Um, yeah, there's still a lot to, to turn it around. You don't need much of a a, a gas tank in the heavyweight division. Um, if you can finish your opponent in the first round, which isn't too far out of the realm of possibility for heavyweights then you don't really need too much of a gas tank if you know if you have expeditious power and at 26 years old he can still retool he can still learn new things and and fix and shore up the areas where he's deficient it also the impression you get just based on part of it is his demeanor and um you know his physique and look i'm a fat guy i can't judge here but like all this, the package coming together seems like he's not taking this as seriously as he should. Basically, well, Marcus, I, I, I think it's fair to note too. I mean, he has he has three losses in a row. That's not great. But you look at those first two: Juno dos Santos and Blagi Ivanovo, whatever. Like yeah. those are those are high quality opponents. Now the question comes in: How good is this guy that just beat him? Right? If he comes out in his next couple fights and loses, it makes Tui Turvasa look all that much worse. If he comes out and becomes a real contender, and this was kind of his coming out party, and we just didn't know it. And Steph, you, can I speak for you on this one? This was more you picking against Ty in this one. Yes, that is correct. That is correct. I knew very little about it. The first thing I said was, oh, he was a lot buffer in his photos. <laughs> like, he yeah, came out and I'm like, ah, these are old photos on Google. Yeah. Yo, yeah. This, this guy's got multiple wins over people. We, he, he's got, he beat Travis Fulton. He beat Tony Lopez. Those are people I know. Tony Lopez yeah, is the king of the cage guy. Those are like, the definition of journeyman too so it's like you can't you can't really build a solid base off that's who ty beat too though <laughs> i mean travis fulton also lost like 30 guys they all killers out there that we don't know this other wikipedia no I, I don't think you can really pull too much from that or lopez either but um you know who knows time will tell uh and at the same time we've seen a lot of careers you know get revitalized at the heavyweight division you know andre Orlovsky has had a couple revitalizations so i'm not going to close the book on Tui, but i think like Steph has learned, like I think we all learned in this fight, you know, it, it's time to be a little bit more cautious and really setting the bar at where this guy's skill level's at. It's not just he has hands of, of stone and he can just knock anybody out. He has major deficiencies that he needs to work on um, or they're going to constantly get exploited like they did in this fight. Um, all right, going through the rest of this card, Diego Lima almost got fucked by the judges because um, he won all those rounds. Um, at least two of them without question. So... Really bad judging there. He almost got fucked. Uh, Jorgen De Castro was that a left hook or a right hook? He killed that guy with guys because he that was a shot. Let me remember. It was left, but I can't remember. I thought it was left also. If he was left handed, 
it was his right. If he was right-handed, it was his left. It was that inside hook. Yeah. It was a beautiful punch, though. Big win for a guy without a Wikipedia page who's obviously should be on pay-per-view facing another guy without a Wikipedia page. Um, we did lose um, Holly Holm versus Raquel Pennington. Um, Holm got hurt uh, last week. Megan Anderson finally got a win, and it didn't involve a weird toe eye poke or anything like that. Just fa- had her faced a very overmatched person. Um, I want to give shout outs on the undercard. I think I mentioned I mentioned to Bob and Mark. I think I was the only one who caught it. Um, there was an interesting fight to me on the early undercard on the fight pass portion. Um, I like one of the fighters involved, Nadia Kasim. That said, I don't think she's she's not UFC ready. I like her, but I thought this going into her first fight, she's and she looked really raw. But that said, uh, all uh, props in the world to her opponent, uh, Lee Wan Kim. Uh, in the female division, she had some of the best looking boxing I've ever seen. Granted, she was going against an overmatched opponent and maybe that's why it looked good but she punched with a lot of pop and a lot of precision um she kind of just got like eked out decisions in her other ufc fights but if she can keep her hands like that she might be a contender down the line so i think she's someone to kind of keep an eye on um that said i also want to call it this fight there was a lot of bad refing in this evening um and one of the most egregious occurrences happened in this fight uh kim was lighting up Kasim, and Kasim dropped her mouth guard and while uh, Kim was in the middle of her combo, the ref stopped the fight so Kasim could put her mouth guard back in. Um, that is not how that worked. Kasim got finished twice in this fight because the ref saved her for no reason at all in uh, in like early in like the, or late in the first round. Yeah, Kim. Uh, Kim basically had a a robot like uh, demeanor throughout that whole fight. But when the ref stopped the fight so that Kasim could pick up her mouthpiece, that was one of the only times you actually saw a flash of emotion from her. You saw so the coaches were yelling at the ref. Like the coaches were on Kim's side were like, the fuck is that? You can't just stop that while he's getting beat up. Hold up, Mike. <laughs> Pre-production on the show, we asked Mike what fights he saw, and you said you oh, only saw the I main event. Of the and then you saw event. like the second to first fight. I was like, wait, what? Honestly, man, I'm trying to like like set up a show here and I'm asking what people watched, and Mike's like I saw nothing but the fucking main event. And I'm then he sorry. swoops in with this bullshit. And I'm like, That's great. Bad. I'm glad I we bet, plan ahead for this I show bet, on any level. <laughs> I meant of the main event, I fell asleep. But I did watch that, that Kasim fight. Mike, you saw a good fight. You saw it a was. good finish. Don't let him shame you. And uh, Also you bullshit. Know? So before the fight, we were all like, oh, this Kasim girl. She looks like a cutie. We'll all go for her. And then she lost me and my two nephews in the room. When they go to to do, you know, like the dap at the beginning of the fight, and right when they're about to dap each other up, she tries to kick Kim in the in the, in the stomach. Not uh, she. She might be one of my people. We don't play fair. Who? Um, who Nick, wait. <laughs> do you guys know? Um, did someone Kim's miss weight, weight in the past? I don't. Mm-hmm. Did she miss, she might miss weight? Fight. Someone miss weight. There was a one twenty eight. So somebody uh, fucked up. Good question. Um, a mystery for next week. Kim did. Mm, that's a bad. Hey, that's a bad weight miss, man. When you only you pick the weight misser, they're just a better fighter. She also missed one time. Oh no, she one time. She's missed back to back fights. Missed weight. Mm, that's a problem. Yeah, at it's, least she's she winning not, though, right? I mean, that's it. well. She <laughs> lost. She she lost the last the one. Done uh, one, one. Oh, that's not good. Yeah, that, I saw. Uh, that's two pounds is a lot of weight when Wait, to miss by. The thing when you're only getting like six thousand. Like for your fight, who cares if you get fined twenty percent? That's like baby money. 
What, you might what, as well. That... You might as well go in a little heavy. Get the W. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Take the like twelve hundred bucks. Whatever. Yeah, but that didn't work in the other fight, Mike. So she got forty eight hundred dollars and still missed weight. That's true. They well, you you, know, uh, you got to win the fight. The other fighter gets all the money. You're uh, lucky you even get the opportunity to yeah. showcase your skills. Exactly. Um, you're getting college credit if you miss weight. <laughs> That's what you get for winning. You become a college student for this fight. Um, all right, we're gonna pick up the pace here a little bit. Um, I said I'd mention this. Lorenz Larkin beat uh, Andre Koreshkov, uh, which is a really big win for him, and because uh, Koreshkov's really an excellent fighter, but it wasn't promoted at all, and you wouldn't know it happened unless you really sought out that information. But congratulations, Lorenz Larkin, got that big win on Bellator. Um, all right. Um, we got some news this week. Um, and, um, really it starts with the fact that Kane Velasquez isn't going to be fighting anytime soon. <laughs> so uh, business as usual then, Bobby? <laughs> uh, yeah. Kane Velasquez is going to join the WWE. Um, those of you who missed it on Friday. Well, here we go. First last Monday, uh, Brock Lesnar beat the Holy Jesus in wrestling, in the wrestling world, out of Rey Mysterio, the most famous luchador possibly ever, and Rey Mysterio's son. Um, and on Friday, on the big debut on Fox, Brock Lesnar became champion again in seven seconds. But then you heard Rey Mysterio's music. And out came Rey Mysterio and his fellow Mexican friend, Cain Velasquez. And Brock Lesnar sold it like he saw a goddamn ghost. And then Cain uh, Velasquez came down to the ring took Brock down, start beating him up, and then Brock fled. And um, this was in L.A., so people kind of knew who Kane was a little bit. I mean, that's where uh, Kane made Brock do the spinny dance. Ex- and and he did it in that building. <laughs> he straight up did it in that building. Um, eight years ago, nine years ago, actually. So you have uh, WWE, right? Their fingers on the pulse right there. Um, he's leaving the testing pool. He's going to go fight. He's going to go wrestle. Um, he's going to allegedly wrestle Brock on Halloween in Saudi Arabia for some good Saudi uh, blood money. I mean, oil money. Um, so that's happening. You're wondering why the UFC would let him even do this is because the UFC is getting sued right now. And I'm not sure this would be a good time to start, you know, making us question how independent your independent contractors are. Um. My favorite part of this so far, Mike, is that the pro wrestling fans who don't find it believable that Kane would beat up Brock Lesnar because of his physique, <laughs> which, not kidding, it's a real thing I saw online today from they a bunch it. of people. This isn't me finding one tweet. This is hundreds of people talking about this. Um, real quick, any of you want to Google this, you can watch Kane beat Brock's ass nine years ago looking exactly the same as he does right now. And also, this was in real life. Yes. Like, real life ass fight. kicking. Real life ass kicking. Stefan, what did he do? It made him do the disco dance or whatever they called yeah, it? Yeah, he did the spin. I remember the infinite gif of uh, Brock looking like a B-boy because he's like spinning while he's putting uh-huh. his hands on the ground. You got the uh, dance light ball above him. It was a beautiful gif in like the early meme days. Look Man. it up, children. I remember Brock used Mike, do you remember this? Because oh, we had a friend, Noah, who watched his watch fights with us. Noah had a legitimate concern going to this real fight. That Brock was going to pick up Kane and throw him into the third row. And it wasn't like we laughed at him that much. We're like, well, that seems unlikely. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Marcus, 
You said it. He's not fighting anyway. His last fight was like six months ago where he managed to tear his knee while getting knocked out. If he can get paid, he can get paid, huh? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't sit here and be shocked that for months we've been hearing, oh, he's going to do pro wrestling. He's going to do pro wrestling. He's doing pro wrestling. And then the next week when he does more professional, professional wrestling, I'm not going to be like, what? He's never going to fight in the U.S. Like, no, not only was the writing on the wall, it was right on your fucking face. He's like, yeah, I'm doing pro wrestling now. So this news, uh, I mean, I think it was surprising because he seemed, you know, highly affiliated with AAA. I mean, but there was always talk about him going to WWE. I didn't. I, I thought maybe he'd stick around in AAA a little bit more and kind of, you know, get more experience under his uh, belt before he moved into the WWE. But I mean, this makes sense. I'm not shocked. Um, I mean, I, we, you mentioned it to me earlier about people being upset with his physique, and I was just like, you guys all loved CM Punk. Look at his physique. Shrink him down a couple feet, and now what's the problem exactly you have with Kane? I'm not really seeing it. Regardless of the fact that we did see these guys fight legitimately in a cage and we saw one demolish the other. Um, my shower thought on this, Bobby, when I was driving home was what is the probability? How likelihood, like what is the likelihood that they could pull off an actual MMA match against Brock and Kane in WWE? They tried that shit when they did. Um, remember like Ken Shamrock had like a Lion's Den match with him and Owen and they had like half a grappling match. Yeah. You remember this at all? No, I, I do. That wasn't yeah, my question. If I remember anything that happened, the Iron Man boxing tournament they did. Yeah, so yeah, they I have some. They did brawl for, for yes. brawl for all. That's what it was. Yeah. Called. So now we've established my my theory. Yes, they have a tendency to do stuff like this. What is the likelihood they could do something like zero percent? Because they all talk about. I listen to enough wrestling podcasts. And people used to work there where they all openly talk about. The brawl for all being the single worst thing they've ever done as a company. Uh, well, that Until being said, yesterday. that was professional. That, those were uh, professional. Did someone enlighten me as to what the brawl for all is? They had shoot fights in wrestling for no reason on Monday nights in 1999. <laughs> they were boxing matches, Bobby. They're just boxing matches. Yeah, and I think the big takeaway is there is there were pro wrestlers who never done boxing really before fighting a professional boxer. These are two guys that not only have fought in professional mixed martial arts, they fought each other in it. So I don't see that narrative. I mean, I, I'm thinking more logistics of like, do they even have to go through commission? Do they have to get drug test? Because I think that would be a huge boom. Wait, are you are you saying they're going to put on a real MMA fight? Yeah. Completely like real? Actual real MMA fight. I find it hard to believe they would do that because why would they? Because like be cool. the way their model is set up is like, they're gonna have to pay him for one night. Like that's a like they could both make more money making. They're not gonna pay him enough, honestly, for one night. Like that's the thing where Brock always made more money doing UFC if it's a one night thing, and WWE is not gonna pay him that much just for one match, unless the Saudis want to see a MMA match. All right, fair enough. That's what I mean, I guess. Um, I mean him taking Saudi oil blood money. I mean, Kane's also visited Kadirov, I think, before. So, I mean, how much do you think Kane can get? You know, for going to the what is it called, Crown Jewel? Uh, a lot of money. Uh, Chris Jericho says he made more money being in a battle royal for for less than two minutes at one of those Saudi shows than he did for every single the every single pay per view he's ever been on, except for WrestleMania. Those the only thing to beat is payoff. Yeah, is man. WrestleMania. I mean. Yo, 
Goldberg is the most famous Jewish wrestler that ever was, and he flew to Saudi Arabia to get dumped on his head by the Undertaker six months ago. We're putting too much emphasis on, let's be real here, overpaid carnies to put the moral ground on them to be like, you be our moral compass. And when they're no, he's asking how much they're going to make. I'm telling you, they're making a lot of money. I'm just saying, like, (laughs) we we always throw these guys under the bus, like, oh man, they shouldn't be doing the Saudi blood money. But it's like these are literally like dudes that drive around in rented like you know cars to slam each other into the ring mat for not much money when a saudi king is like we're gonna pay you fucking buttloads i'm not really looking at them to be like no you have to be the moral compass you have to be the person like dude you you slam people onto the ground well, for and get slammed like you do what you got to do man in fairness it's likely not the saudi king because that dude old as hell it's probably like it's the crown uh, prince it's, it's the, probably it's a the conglomerate of no like, it's princes. it's the it's the same one who ordered uh Kashagi's death. Yeah, it's the same guy. Allegedly. Yeah. It yeah, it's him. Um anyway, Kane's not coming back. Um I thought he was going to AEW, but I imagine the amount of money he got thrown in front of him. Man's got wife and kids. Do what you gotta do. Um All right, uh let's make some picks for this card this weekend, which uh at one point was gonna be in San Francisco, but is in Tampa instead. Um, Joanna and Jacek, Michelle Waterson, betting odds for this one. Steph, do you have it in front of you? Yeah, and uh, you know I picked really well this past week, and I'm about to give it all back. Um, Joanna, we're seeing her at minus 380. I see her as high as minus 485. She is a near 500 favorite. Over I think that's t- karate hottie. You don't think that's a bit like? I mean, to be clear, I'm picking Joanna, and I think she's going to win. But five to one, four to one, is that right in your opinion? It is, and that's why I said I'm giving it all right back. <laughs> all right. So you got Michelle Watterson. I got Joanna and Jacek. Mark, who do you got, and what do you think of the betting line there? Um, I, I got JoJo, and it, I think the betting line might be a little steep, but, I mean, really, I think when you kind of look at this and be like, oh, this is kind of a close fight, I think a lot of it is just like this shines off JoJo a little bit. I think people aren't as hot on her because she's stumbled a little bit recently against Valentino and obviously against Rose those two times. But like you move the time machine back two years and it's like, I don't give Watterson a chance in hell in beating Joanna. I don't think I've seen so much in Watterson's last couple performances to think that she's made these leaps and bounds where she's going to be able to take Joanna down, dictate the the fight on the standing. Um, So I I think Joanna is going to dictate the fight standing and is going to outstrike her and and get the decision that way. Um, Hey, I'd love Watterson to to pull something out. I mean, and I think she is capable, but like the Oz makers say, and I don't think quite to that extent, like I think it's a bit of a long shot. I think she'll have to hit her with like a big heavy kick, get her really hurt, get her on the ground and sub her. Um, Outside of that, I think Joanna is a little too technical. I think she's going to control the outside and make it tough for Watterson to initiate a grapple game. And, you know, I don't want to, Spurge people's you know skill sets but waterson is one of these female fighters that really likes to use that head and arm choke when they're in the clinch she does it pretty well but i don't think she's going to catch joanna with that but you know let's see next week when i'm proved wrong and you know waterson's number one contender with a fantastic submission here i just don't think that's super likely uh mike yeah um well well, Watterson's been on a good run. I don't think she's gotten that much better over the last two, three years. And, well, Joanna, with all her missteps over the last two years, um, I still think she is head and above the, the better fighter. Um, she, Karate Hadi is also going to be the much smaller fighter. So, I, well, five to one, it's still pretty big. Um, 
I don't disagree with it um, that much. All right, uh, Kron Gracie, Cup Swanson. Man, I know uh, we got to move along. I don't even. I stand alone on an island. I don't get to make my case. Whatever. Let's move I, on. I didn't know you had it. I'm sorry. I thought you were yeah. made. You made your case when you just said I'm going to lose this one. She's not going to win. I mean, I'm still yeah, going to pick her. I, that said, let me speak for my lady. You know, she's someone I ride with. She's she's one of these people I ride with. Mark's got to ride with Reem against all odds. I got to ride with Michelle. Um, I I do follow. She's her. your Sam Cecilia. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> there it is. Um. <laughs> She she looks like in phenomenal shape. You know, we say she's going to give up the size and she can't do anything about her height. She's carrying the most muscle mass I've ever seen her carry in her fighting career right now. Um, and she's training with Holly Holm. Um, that's a, one of the best training partners you can possibly get in as a female fighter. You know, we a lot of them come from questionable camps where they are pretty much the, the woman is the be all end all of her camp. She's fighting with a kickboxing bigger than you want to ch- like champion, former champion herself. So if anyone has the camp that can prepare her to do this, Jackson's a strong camp here. Um, she still has speed, and Joanna's proved to be hittable in the fights that she's lost. I'm going to say Karate High is going to win, and I'm saying she's going to finish her. She's going to stun her with a punch, and she will get that first choke on Joanna Champion. I mean, while you're out here just saying shit, you want to say she's going to win by Hadouken or some shit? Like... Might as well go all fully out on the limb, man. Hey, she's gonna to, to be fair, he said he's going to punch her and choke her. That's well within the realm of possibility. <laughs> now she's going to be the first person to export energy. She's going to handle her head. chi okay. and make it a beam energy. Yeah, see, that's a, it's called reductum ad absurdum. That's some Latin for you. You make a really wild comparison to my very logical and moderated like suggestion. You nailed me. Cron uh, Gracie, uh, Cup Swanson. Cron's a little bit of a favorite here, isn't he? Uh, much more realistic. Minus 165 to plus 145, Cub Swanson. More or less a slight, you know, uh, coin toss, one and a half either way, um, but much closer than our main event is looking. Cub uh, Swanson, I mean, Cron uh, Gracie making his uh, second Octagon appearance, the son of the greatest fighter that ever fucking lived all right this man came from hickson's loins mike has seen this man fight i don't know if he remembers um no was it in you, japan well actually no you didn't go to the you went in, was it 2016 or 2017 you were there mm, depends what he's talking about like december 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 of what he's talking about the rising grand prix mike yeah were which one did you go to man <laughs> the one mma match fight you went to when was that um well i went to the ufc japan but i also went to horizon as well so okay. i think i went to the second day what year man oh 2016 okay so if you went to the december 31st one you saw him choke kawajiri i did oh, it didn't leave a did not have a lasting impression that if you did okay anyway made his ufc debut back in february um i've seen a i've seen four a four of these dudes five fights wow okay um, you've heard about Kron Gracie for a while. If you're following the Diaz brothers at all, he's, uh, he's one of their boys, um, helps them train quite a bit. Um, he's got, uh, gold medals, uh, at Abu Dhabi in 2013. Uh, Cup Swanson's lost seven fights by submission and he's lost four, th- four in a row. And he's 30, he's only 35. Wow. 35 years old. He's got almost 40 fights. I got, I don't think this is getting better. 
and he's got a tendency to get choked. So I got Kron. Mark? Uh, yeah, I'm going with Kron too. I mean, I, I, to kind of play devil's advocate though, Kron hasn't fought anyone. Very um, true. Good is Cub Swanson, and I mean, this is really this is the almost the, no, I wouldn't say the purest, but this is a pure almost. <laughs> this is right I said, uh, striker versus grappler. You know how Cub's going to win this fight? How Kron's going to win this fight? We already know. Um, Cub is going to win this fight on the feet, standing. I don't. I can't even remember what I'm really. Where a lot of my judgments coming from, just how successful Kron can be, is just like how good is his takedown? How good is his entrance? Because obviously that's really all he needs to do. If he has a really good grapple game with taking guys down, if he can get clinched, he can win this fight. Um, I don't know how good he is there, so I think if he gets on the ground, he wins this fight. Um, and I think that's a very realistic thing to think that he'll be able to do, especially when you when you factor in. Cub has lost his last four fights. He's kind of on a tailspin. He needs to get a win here, and he needs it big. And he, I, I imagine he'll be very motivated knowing that this dude hasn't fought anyone standing as good as I am. I mean, I think his best standing fighter was his last fight against uh, Alex Caceres. Um, and I didn't. I don't really remember that fight, but he beat him pretty quickly on the ground, so I don't think he had to get past a lot to get in the clinch. And I think if he's just careful, I mean, it's really easy to get in a clinch in a fight. And if he has a decent enough clinch to get it down from there, the avenue to victory is pretty easy for Kron. I think it's a lot tougher for Cub to fight off the takedowns and submission attempts. I think this is going to be a tough uphill battle for him. So I picked Kron. Uh, Steph, what do you think, man? Yeah, man. Uh, Cub, I don't, don't want to say he's washed because he's losing to real credible guys. You know, his losses are a who's who list. But like you mentioned, man, with those subs, it's not just subs, man. It's all, look at that neck. It's a, it's like neck crank, guillotine, 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 rear naked, arm triangle, and that's pretty much everything that Cron uh, wins with. Um, if he knocks him the fuck out because Cron's stand up is garbage, like most Gracies, it's not surprising in the least. But like like Mark said, it's it's a bit of a tailspin right now. Um, there we're at the point in Cubs' career, man, where we're just lining him up with young guys. That's Shane Burgos one. Sure, he only lost a split, split, but they put Cub against eleven and one guy. Was twenty eight years old for a reason. They're they're wringing everything they can out of him, which I mean I love Cub Swanson. He's always come off like such a great dude, and if you know his story at all, like what he's come back from and like turn his life around and stuff. Man's got a great logo, you know. He really world, fucking you know, does too. World of like people and their branding. Cub Swanson, he was never big enough for people to realize that man made an awesome ass like logo for himself. Yeah, dude's a uh, you know just. Hoping he saved all of his money and we don't have to watch Cub Swanson fight when he's 50 years old is all I'm saying. Uh, Mike, what do you got here? Yeah, so we're going to be sweeping this one. Um, in this situation, Kron isn't exactly a spring chicken himself. But for the purposes of this fight, he will take the place of the young up-and-comer. And Cub is the man who's looking like he's on his way out when it comes to contention. So in those situations, I always pick the young buck. So that's going to be Kron. It's also the son of Hickson. Let's not forget to emphasize that one more time. Um, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff on this card. Though, to be to me, really. Michael Jordan had kids. They weren't any good at basketball. <sighs> Disrespectful. Um, there's some good stuff on this card, Marcus. Notably, Davison Figueroa versus Tim Elliott. And apologies to Mr. Elliott. You and I are more so excited to Mr. about Mr. Figueroa's return to the octagon here. Yeah, and he had a great last performance. I think Tim Elliott is a great nether stepping stone on his, you know, potential path to a title. Um, and like you mentioned before, Bob, there this card is kind of sprinkled with at least one fighter that you know of. So it's really, you know, for an ESPN Plus card, 
I would say of the higher quality in, in that realm. Yeah, and um, this is a interesting Styles matchup because Tim Elliott's hard. It's hard to look. I mean, once you get a hold of Tim Elliott, you can do some stuff. Um, Joseph Benavidez making him tap out with his feet comes to mind. But it takes a bit to get through that. And when you're small and Figueroa's not a big man, he's five foot five, and Elliott is fucking huge. Um, from not mistaken, I want to say he's like five nine, five ten, isn't he? Oh, five seven. I always got the impression he was taller than that. Either way, he's a very he rangy fights. fighter. He he, he's a very rangy fighter. So we'll see if Figueroa can get in. Um, on this card, we also have Eric Anders taking on Gerald Mearshart. Um, Eric Anders is going to do that Eric Anders thing, Steph, where he's just like real tired and gets a knockout in like the second or third round. He might get knocked out himself or a flying knee may come out of nowhere. Um, we got the return of violent Bob Ross, the man who has one of the best nicknames in MMA. Uh, Luis Pena taking on Matt Frevola. Um, and Mackenzie Dern, Mike, is making her, I believe, this is her first fight since becoming a mom. We haven't seen her since uh, UFC 224 last May. That's right. It's been about six months, I think, that she's given birth. So she's coming back after not being out for, for a very long time. So Shit, let's four see months how ago. Much... She, she gave birth four months ago, man. Jesus Christ, it's fast. You that's wanna, uh, that's you... impressive. And let's see how much she misses weight by this time. I was going to say, you want a you third thing to pick, Bobby? Mackenzie Dern making weight? What weight class is this at? Let's just check that first. Oh, it's that straw weight? She's not making weight. Uh, I think we have a sweep. She showed up eight pounds over last time. Mark, you want to be pounds. positive here? So soon after her giving birth, the easiest time to cut weight? Yeah, maybe all that weight was water weight getting ready for the birth. <laughs> no, I mean, oh, man, if she came back, I got fly. How tall is she? Then? Why is she still pushing herself to make 115? Like She's 5'3". Oh, 5'4". Okay, yeah, right. Fair enough. You don't want to have to fight Valentina also. 125 is a dangerous world. So <laughs> just is not safe up there. Um, Nico Price, James Vick. How many fights in a row can James Vick lose, guys? So this is debut at welterweight, though. That's at least interesting to watch. But can is he not a, get knocked out? Is this welterweight, Marcus? This yeah, fight? That's, that's what it says on my Wikipedia page. Uh, and how Nico big is Price Nico? fights at welterweight, so that would correspond with that at least. I mean, little dudes getting through his guard and punching him in the face seem to be a problem. A big guy might not have as much trouble, but... Well, it might be that he's cutting so much weight that they get inside and hit him in the face and his whole world crumbles. Man, he talked so much shit before Justin Gaethje just ruined him. Like, everybody almost just, like, wrote him off. So he's got to get a win here. Um, 32 years old, lost three in a row. It's not cutting time, man. Um, yeah, this isn't bad at all. Um, not sure I would have been happy paying Chase Center prices to watch this in San Francisco, but... We don't know what that means now, Bobby. Remember, pro wrestling was twenty five dollars. Yeah. Yeah, that was true. We went there for super cheap, so that doesn't. Hold that was the that was the move, guys. Wait till Raw or SmackDown come to town. You're going to see see some shit for cheap. Um. All right. Um. Has Bellator got a card this week, or does it you know, matter? Does it matter? We're all paying for a zone, man. Except it's, for Stefan. It's Combate Forty Six. If you want to pick that. Oh, the other news from this week: Tito Ortiz. Is gonna fight. I don't know his real name. Alberto El Patron, aka Alberto Del Rio. Al Alberto Del Rio. Mark Newman a Dos Caras, aka Dos Caras Junior. Yes. Or just yeah, I think his okay. dad was Dos Caras. Um, you might you probably know him as Alberto Del Rio, the former uh, WWE champion. 
He yeah. uh, moneyed in the bank on CM Punk at that SummerSlam we went to very many years ago. Oh, he did. It was when they were ruining the Summer of Punk. Um, yeah, he's old. Tito's old. They're going to be old together in a cage fight for $40. Oh, I was going to have Mark guess. I was going to have him guess. How oh, much he knows. could they possibly charge for this terrible fight? Oh, Mark, Mark, sits right, Mark knows. Mark sits right by me. He's getting the same bullshit you are from me. But, so between thirty and 40,000 people bought Chuck versus Tito, Mike. Alberto El Patron. Between thirty and 40,000. How many people are going to buy Alberto Del Rio versus Tito Ortiz? 25,000 tops. See, that's Mike went the same guess I did. Nobody thinks they might do more because Alberto Del Rio is like known is like a known person. <laughs> but, I got I got one dollar, Bob. I'm taking the under. I got yeah, one dollar. I mean, Bobby, you say that, but like, what organization is this? I don't know what organization was Tito versus Chuck. Wasn't it Bellator? No, it's Scott Coker. <laughs> I thought it was Bellator. Huh? I know it wasn't Bellator. I think they did. I think it might have been Golden Boy. Then it must have been Golden Boy if it wasn't. Golden Boy doesn't know what they're doing with MMA. Well, I don't. Well, we don't even know what organ. Isn't this com- Combate Americanos? Yeah, probably no one buying this. <laughs> Combate Americanos. <laughs> Isn't it something like that? Um, you know what, guys, Just save your money because uh, Kayla Harrison's gonna beat someone's ass. Um, on f- what the- is Friday the eleventh or Saturday the eleventh? Friday. On Friday, Kayla Harrison's gonna beat uh beat someone's ass in the semifinal of PFL. I think it's just on TV. Um, all right. We're going to uh, real quickly wave our uh, – me and Stefan are going to be unhappy for a minute here. And then we get to move on with our live. So, um, so summary for those of you uninitiated. The WWE put on a pay-per-view in Sacramento where they announced three matches beforehand up until like an hour before the card. Um, which you can get away with because people were really there for one of two reasons – one of those being Becky Lynch for Saucer Banks, and the other one is um, the Fiend Bray Wyatt, which I'm not sure. I mean, we've talked about the Fiend a few times on this podcast before, um, so I guess for those of you who missed any of that stuff, on I guess a one sentence description would be Psycho Killer Clown, maybe. That works. I was gonna say the most interesting pro wrestling character of the last decade. Yeah, um, this the only good part of their show. Okay, that may not be fair to everybody else. It is easily the best part of their show. They have made him look like a goddamn monster. His shit is actually scary to watch sometimes. I mean, it's so, coming off of the premiere week of the jo- of Joker. It's like yeah. it has this like you know unintentional tie-in that has all the hype in the world for it. A Hell in a Cell, before it was just the name of a pay-per-view, is a type of match, and it was reserved for. When a wrestling feud reaches the point where they just need to beat each other's a- up, up inside and on top of a cage. I mean, the most violent spots in WWE history have all occurred in this type of match. Look, you all saw Mankind get thrown off the top of a cage at this point. You've all been on Reddit. All right? That was a Hell in a Cell match where people get thrown off the bitch. All right? Um, what we learned is that when someone grabs a sledgehammer in a Hell in a Cell match, Stefan, that's too much. Wait a second, though. Uh, isn't a sledgehammer and a hell in a cell like a staple? Because I saw a meme that like Batista used one and Triple H have used. Triple H has used a, hell, a sledgehammer in every hell in a cell match he's ever it's been. Not in. even just that. If you didn't see it, there was a sledgehammer. But before that, the Fiend had a Harley Quinn comical sized mallet, and they mm-hmm. used that. But you get the smaller sledgehammer 
No, think of the kids, Seth. Don't do it. For the love of well, God, don't do it. I mean, let's just get to the end of the story here. In what is the most important week they've had, and on, quite frankly, the industry or business has had in maybe 15 years, they shit the bed on a historic level. And you don't have to know the intricacies of this, all this match stuff, quite frankly. Just to know, they put, they ruined the best part of their product. And at the end of the night, people were chanting refund. And we want refunds. Not and that. AEW. There you go. That's not, I mean, look, whatever. Um, so. There was a small riot outside. People lit a bunch of shit on fire outside the arena. Yeah. That's a new arena. Well, that's normal. That's a new arena. We're trying to re- Sacramento's trying so hard to be a better place. I just want to say was- uh, um, the picture of the best video I saw, Bob, which I mentioned to you is uh, it's just a video clip. It's like real front row. It's like, but it's kind of on the side because it's where the wrestlers are going to the back. <laughs> and it's just the saddest looking Seth Rollins looking beaten, looking like his soul is crushed. And the camera pans to a guy in like the second row just staring at him, holding a sign up saying, Seth is not cool. And it's underlined the word not. It is not as underlined five <laughs> times. And Seth looks like, like man, a lot of things suck tonight, but that really hurt. Yeah, man, it was a... Uh... Look, it was it was a bad show. It was a really, really bad show. And they... I mean, for those of people who like to say, oh, fuck this, why do I watch this? You don't really have to watch something you don't like. They don't, you know, there's other wrestling... I suggest New Japan, maybe AEW, Impact. If you want to not support, if you don't like a product, you don't give them money. That's how that works. Just putting that out there. Because I know wrestling fan stuff just seem to like to complain a lot, and they love to complain, but don't watch it, right? What do you think? <laughs> I mean, I feel for the hardcores who really held on during the very lean years a lot of suckers have been uh, fooled into coming back a little bit like you and me. But, man, if there's one thing to make me turn it off for good, it was what I watched last night. Um, yeah. Um, let's just do stuff we like. Um, I'm going to dovetail this all together real quickly and talk about something I actually like from wrestling, which is what I enjoyed the Wednesday Night War that we referenced last week. Um, both the shows were really good. I enjoyed both of them. I even enjoyed Jay and Silent Bob being in the front row, having a great time. That made me happy watching AEW. Um, the best line I heard all week was when two wrestlers were going, were wrestling, were brawling through the arena. And then one of the guys said, and then uh, I think his name is Excalibur. Uh, this is on AEW said, they're brawling toward, the, they, they brawl toward the VIP area. And then good old JR said, we got a VIP area. Why wasn't I told? And that just made me very happy. Um, they were both good shows. And if you really want to watch wrestling on cable TV, AEW is doing some cool shit. NXT is doing some cool shit. You don't got to watch Raw or SmackDown. So don't. But I like both those shows. I really, really enjoyed both of them. I don't have it in me to watch weekly wrestling. So going forward, I will wait for clips and for someone to tell me something's really good. But... Check out Wednesday night, TNT, USA. That's where the good shit's on. Mike, what do you got this week? Uh, so for me, it's uh, the return of two animes that I've been waiting for for over a year. On October 11th, Food Wars comes back for its fourth and final season. 
Amazing. And on October 12th, My Hero Academy comes back for its uh, fourth season as well. Double uh, amazing. I don't need to explain how great those animes are. If you like anime, you know about them already. So that's what I got this week. Stefan, do you have something you liked? Oh, yeah, I got a lot of things I like. And that segues perfectly because if you like those, you'll fucking like Demon Slayer because I binge watched all of that in three days. Um, on the third day is actually when the season finale came out. I'd mentioned, Mark, the timing couldn't have been better. I didn't have to wait a single minute to get that final uh, episode. And now I have to play the waiting game as they do. Um, as you, you know, if you can't tell that I binged it that fast, uh, Demon Slayer. For shonen anime, it's right up there. Um, I'd still say My Hero is kind of really the one that most enamored me since Dragon, or no, since Naruto, I guess. But um, it's not as big of a gap in between, but Demon Slayer is fucking awesome. Uh, our pal uh, of the podcast, Eddie, he's uh, on like, I think he has like two or three more episodes to go. He's been binging through it. Um, Mike, I believe you started it or you finished it? I've been finished it. Oh, you've been finished. Yeah. I mean, you can't finish that long. It, last episode just came out. But that uh, said, well, I, I didn't need to binge watch all of it. In, you were watching it. You were watching three it. Three days. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, a more obscure anime, which I will recommend that no one will watch. Um, it's called Oh Maidens of the Savage. Uh, found it just because a YouTube channel I like was talking about it. This is not going to be for everyone. Um, it's the thing that makes anime fans sound like weirdos for liking. Uh, it's a story about a high school literature club. Uh, it is five girls, um, and it is a coming-of-age story. Um, but as far as anime goes, it deals with the topic of, like, discovering, like, love and sexual attraction in a more... Still very funny, but a more mature way than most anime ever does, where the be-all, end-all is they finally hold hands after a 20-episode arc. Um, it's actually very interesting. There's a character who is a lesbian, but she doesn't understand she's a lesbian, so her kind of realizing it, it's just a very interesting, like, you know, coming of age for high school, kind of discovering this thing um, while being insightful. Um, it's very fun characters. There's some really weird shit that you will say this is definitely from Japan if you watch it. But um, I, had a, I had a fun time on this, like, 13-episode season. Now, now, I never want to hear people give me shit over my love of CW shows from this day on. All right? Is that bullshit? That's anime fun. Anime gets a pass, man. It's cultural. It's different. You know what, Mike? I promise to only focus on your mayonnaise eating sa mayonnaise sandwiches. I don't eat mayonnaise sandwiches. <laughs> no, I'm going to call Mike, you more out on this CW stuff because now you're trying to defer. So it's like, oh, anime, it's a, yeah, that's the same thing. You want to no, throw me Mike. under, Mike? My recommendation is critically acclaimed within the genre. Your stuff is not critically acclaimed like, I, within I, the genre. And I will give you this. You watch CW superhero stuff, that's all right. I'll give you that. But when you're watching One Tree Hill and stuff, you're going to get some playful banter on my end. Excuse me, but One Tree Hill was like a top show in its heyday. Oh, okay. Mike, don't make me. Don't make you just You're egging me on now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, last one, I won't talk about it in too much detail because I don't think anyone else saw it. But um, I saw the oh-so-controversial, but fourth-highest-rated R-rating opening weekend ever, Joker. Oh, and, oh I saw um, that. Oh, you did? Nice. Um, I know the other fellows have, so I won't go into too much. Um, I really liked it. Um, I think if Joaquin doesn't win Best Actor, 
I don't know what's going on this year. Um, I don't feel like there's a lot of strong contenders. Um, yeah, I just think it's a really well done movie. It's such a good movie that it really didn't need to be a superhero related movie. Well, Steph, it's not really. Uh, I'm a, I'm gonna tell you right now, he's not gonna win the Oscar, and not because I don't think it's a great movie as well, and not because I don't think Joaquin Phoenix did a great job as well. It's that snooty ass critics. They don't uh, like Joker. Don't like superheroes. it. It only has a 69% on Rotten Tomatoes, while the audience score is at about a 90%. So that just goes to show you, critics don't know shit. No, I'm not going to give the public a bunch of credence either. There's a bunch of morons out there, so I can't just be like, Thank oh. you! <laughs> I was going to say, the public has led us so fucking well in these last few years. Yeah, <laughs> but I'll, I'll agree. I mean, this is probably a movie that critics don't like as much as the fans. I, I'd agree on that stance. I mean, they love fucking Heath Ledger. Um... Mark, what do you got this week? Yeah, I got a couple smaller games coming out this week. Um, Indivisible has been one in the works for a long time. This is from the people that made Steph. I don't remember this. Uh, the people that made Skullgirls. Uh, this is their next game, and it's been it's probably taking about five years. This is a Kickstarter thing. Um, same animation, draws and like draw hand drawn sprites that they use in Skullgirls, which was really cool. But this is more of a platformer uh, turn based RPG. Um, looks really cool. Really excited about that. Uh, there's also Concrete Genie. Uh, this one's coming from Sony First Party. I think it's the Japan studio. Um, and this is one thing I think Sony doesn't really get a lot of credit for. Um, a lot of times people kind of put a lot of their software in the, oh, they only make narrative third-person type shooting games like your Last of Us, Uncharted, God of War, Spider-Man. They do a lot of those, and those are probably their big marquee franchises. But Sony actually makes a lot of different types of games that just don't get a lot of headlines. They don't get a lot of uh, marketing either. And Concrete Genie is one of those games. Um, this is a shorter, uh, cheaper digital game. And I guess the premise is more or less you're kind of a teenage boy that gets picked on. And he deals with his problems by drawing monster friends you know graffiti on the side of stuff and i guess they come to life and it's a whole magical whimsical thing um when i first saw it it looked kind of interesting the latest trailer they had um got me a little bit more invested and it just looks like a cool colorful game coming from uh sony first party so i'm gonna check that out um that's only the games i have for this week but there's a couple other things i wanted to mention um i guess you know watching a live wrestling event uh, with a bunch of coworkers, doesn't make Bobby's favorite things to do. But we also saw Hood Slam this week. But uh, it doesn't compare uh, in scope and size of the WWE. But that's a small Oakland-based uh, wrestling company that we've seen. A couple you, of you know what, man? We gotta, we gotta. People gotta go. It's a good time. It's really cool. Um, and I would say, and Bobby, you can probably agree to this. And Stefan uh, couldn't make it, but I would sure he was agreed to. Like what I've liked about them too is their product has gotten better for the viewer the first time we went there it was in it's still in a dingy warehouse in oakland but now it's a better ventilated dingy warehouse in oakland that's not quite as hot and one of the things i really liked is they've always been taping the events and putting them on youtube they stream them on uh, twitch now uh free and live which is cool but what i really like is they have a projector and has a live feed so when you go to hood slam there's no stadium seating everyone's just standing on a concrete floor and I'm the tallest one of our friends of group, and I'm 5'10", 
and there's a lot of taller motherfuckers out there so it's hard to see what's going on so it's much appreciated that you can just look over to a giant screen and kind of get a better view of the action um so we saw hood slam and i really enjoyed uh the part of the show that we watch we have not successfully made it all the way through an event i don't think we ever will um, but it was really fun. I really had a good time. I, I thought about it this time, man, just because I'm like, oh, Battle Royal could be cool. But I'm like, man, 30 people. We could be here for hours. Yeah, and, and this, <laughs> this is the first time uh, my wife, Christine, came. And she is really not into wrestling at all. I thought she would enjoy Hood Slam because it's not really like wrestling that you usually see. And she had a really good time. And I think that's more or less the narrative that we've heard from lots of people that we know that aren't really into wrestling, but been to Hood Slam. Like, you don't have to be a fan of wrestling. It is funny in and of its own right. Um, but yeah, that was a really good time. The last thing I really wanted to um, kind of expose or recommend, and I've been pushing these guys forever. Um, and I mean, they're my boys. They're my number one go-to for all things video games and pretty much videos on YouTube anyways. But Easy Allies does a group stream every Tuesday. Those in and of themselves are a lot of fun. The one that um, happened last week is the one I'm recommending. They play a really fun game on Switch called Heave Ho. That's not why I'm recommending it. Uh, Kyle Bossman, one of the nine allies, for the last three months has been making a Game Boy game, and he finished it last week, and they played it. And I have dipped into a couple of his streams watching him make it. Um, Kyle's a pretty good artist. He has a very cartoony style to his illustrations, but he has an eye for illustration, and he knows how to draw. And I saw him working on some of the sprite work on the streams. I thought that was cool. Seeing this game in motion, I was blown away. Um... Not only is like the art, like this is better than most Game Boy games I saw when I was a kid. This is like Pokemon, probably even better than Pokemon type of sprite work that he did. So I was just blown away with that. And the game is just, I mean, you guys don't know Kyle and his sense of humor, but he has a very specific kind of sense of humor. And it this game just reaps of it and the kind of interesting things. I mean, the premise of the game, I'll just tell you, it's called Don't Call Me Mommy, But Yeah, I'm Your Mommy. And it's basically about this world where it's basically they can make Pokemon and you play this scientist lady who's about to go bankrupt and she needs to make a Pokemon by getting these seven elements and mixing them together. So the game premise is essentially every day you go and get a new element and depending on how you play out that scene, who you talk to and what you do to get your um, ingredients, you'll get different ingredients at the end of the game. You see what Pokemon you make, and it was really fun. They had uh, Brandon Jones, who does all the uh, voiceovers for Easy Allies, do a playthrough. It took about 30 minutes, and then after that, Kyle's like, okay, let's do a speed run, best, um, I can't remember what they called the little Digimon Pokemon they make. And then Kyle kind of ran through the game and kind of told you all the developer secrets that he put in, and this is what you do here. And it was... It was just so cool. I was so blown away. And um, to that same extent, I couldn't recommend you guys check that out enough. It was last stream for Easy Allies, um, the last group stream they had. And if you watch that and you're like, well, that was actually kind of cool. Kyle has also made a fully animated series all by himself using puppets called Box Peak. And I recommended that a while ago. And that is really incredible. It's really amazing um, to see this guy not just produce podcast every week and do group streams and do his own streams but to have the time for his own creative endeavors where he's basically making an animated show and made this really cool um game boy game that you can actually play uh, on um god i don't it's not indiegogo it's oh it's one of the there's an um there's an indie site that he basically put the game on that you can play but um yeah i just want to say like his creativity and his humor and the, the the quality of his products has constantly blown me away. And I was interested to see how his game turned out. And just watching it, I was just like with Christine, like, holy shit, this is so 
much better than I thought he was capable of. So um, I'm really interested. He's doing another season of Box Peak that he's working on right now, and I'm really interested to see what he does. And I hope, and honestly, with all the allies, um, they used to be game trailers. They got basically let go. The company went under, and they made this Patreon that's just nine of them, and they've been growing for the last couple of years. They're in a studio now. Couldn't help but support them enough. Yep, I'm sorry. I was just going to ask, since you said it wasn't Indiegogo, was it Fig? No, those are all stuff that you develop. It's, um, uh, I can't remember. It's a site where you basically can post your games for free. Like, people just post their little indie games they make, and it's killing me. I can't remember it, but it's not a big deal. Um, if you check out that video, they'll have the link in the description there. Um, that's going to be on Easy Allies Plays. It's their group stream with Heave Ho. And honestly, uh, Heave they, Ho, if you guys haven't seen that, is really cool, too. Do they put it on their YouTube channel or no? Yeah, they have two YouTube channels. There's uh, Easy Allies and Easy Allies Plays. That's where they do all the streams. It's in the plays. Um, and it's the one they play Heave Ho, and Heave Ho is actually a really cool party game that I watched them play that after. I was like, oh, this is cool game. I mean, I used to watch these guys just because of back when uh, Mark and I lived together. Obviously, I saw these guys because you watch these guys. Um, and yeah, I do enjoy their humor. Um, is Bosman the one who did the, uh, he rated all of Spider-Man's outfits in the yeah. game? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, enjoyed I would, that video a lot. Yeah, I think out of all the voices of Easy Allies, Bossman's the most comedic. He's the most humorous uh, of all of them. And and watching a lot of his stuff, you get his humor. He has a very strong stance on things, but he always has reason to back it up. Like like you probably saw stuff in the in the Spider Man when he was rating all the costumes. He would have some reason why he would rate it really low, but it would be a valid reason. You're like, okay, I get. I might not agree with you, but I get why you would come to that conclusion exactly yeah. it's like it's like that might not be my favorite or i might like the one he dislikes but uh he, he's he's consistent with what he doesn't like yeah so i mean i always want to blast those guys out um i joined their patreon i'll join it until the day they stop doing it because um the quality of work is just that high but this was something that i really wanted to put a pin in especially to stuff you kind of are familiar with them i really recommend you check that out it's about 45 minutes and it's just just knowing that like this guy did all of this basically in his free time and if you want it you could watch 28 hours of streams where he basically makes it with chat chat helps him decide on like gameplay stuff like that it was just really cool so i, th- I want to sh- shed a light on that the rest of you should have been more impressed that i knew what fig was at all i'm just saying i knew uh, it didn't it, this was like jane silent bob didn't they back their thing on fig look my reason my reason for knowing it is immaterial okay fine. <laughs> um all right boys and girls thank you all for um it's itchio. For listening to us. It's itchio. That's where they post the game. Itchio. Sorry. I- I- itchio. Like. Yeah. Yep. It's it's a like, website. I don't know how you get to it. Never been there, but that's where you post indie games. That's where his is. Sorry. Um. So we're gonna talk about. Uh, well, we're gonna see who wins this fight. Really, <laughs> between Yoana and Jay Check and Michelle Watterson. Talk about that. Gonna see uh, if um, Cub Swanson's got anything left in that tank, or if Kron Gracie's. Someone they're going to start giving some bigger fights to. Um, what we're going to do also is preview this card that's happening in Boston, which has got some stuff on it. Uh, and by stuff, I mean exactly two fights. Dominic Reyes and Chris Weidman's the main event, which, Steph, for a guy who's got some got a questionable gas tank, I'm not sure a five-round ta- fight is great for Dominic Reyes. Yeah, um, but uh, for a guy who has a questionable should he be fighting anymore in Chris Weidman, why not? I like Weidman at 205, man, if he's going to make a last-ditch push, a di- last-ditch effort at this. I can't talk. We're an hour changing. Sorry, guys. And then we get Yair Rodriguez versus Jeremy Stevens. So we're going to get Jer- Jeremy Stevens as the biggest baby face you could ask for in Boston. 
who in Boston, man, they don't need a reason to boo a Mexican. Just. You want to talk about You guys been to Boston Jesus? before? Uh, only for like a day. So not enough to see any rampant racism. I'm just saying, this is Boston. Also on that card, Joe Lazon, who didn't know didn't know he fights, and uh, Charles Rosa, Manny Ramirez, just a bunch of unnecessary fights, except for our boy Court McGee getting a getting a fight. There's a lot of non Wikipedia page guys on this card. You know, Bobby, uh, I'll give you uh, credit for abstaining from even mentioning it, but I'm gonna mention it because the biggest baby face on this card is whoever the hell Ben Sassoli is. <laughs> Fine. By the way, you know it's a card who shall not be named. But you know it's a card in Boston where you have multiple guys named Sean on there, and then we also got a guy named Boston Salmon. Mike is enjoying all the shitting I'm doing on Boston right now. I got more material. We can do it another time. Um, go go Court McGee. We'll talk about that next week. Um, and we'll see if uh, Joanna or Michelle Watterson is going to come forward as a contender. Um, all that being said, thank you again so much for listening. I was Dr. Law. Kid Presentable was here. DJ Mark was here. Lavender Gumas was here. We'll see y'all next week. Peace out. See ya. Cheers.